Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris, on this fine Thursday night. So I, I'm drinking Kentucky Gentleman right now. And it is interesting how I found my place, like found myself doing this. Um, I'm, so, still, I'm still struggling to get over the KG aspect of this. No, I, th- I think I think it's going to make sense to you once once I put it in a little okay. bit of a context. Um, I'm coming home from work, okay. and I'm just in the back of my mind. I keep thinking about the same thing. Holy shit! The Granville is getting new new restrooms. Oh man! And then I'm just like, man, this is this is only perfect. I I, I just have to get the Kentucky gentleman and get the get the KG. So that's that's where we're at right now. Yeah, if you um, if you weren't it's a aware, historical moment in Louisville, man. The Granville apparently has new ownership, and this new ownership has committed. They're already working on new bathrooms. So my understanding, Chris, is they're going to be cleaner. They the doors <laughs> might work on a more consistent basis. And yeah, the doors were functional. I went to sort of. It depended on the night. I, I went yeah. to the Granville actually not too long ago. I uh, got a drink with a buddy, and the there was we were the only non people who were working or owned the bar. I think who were there, yeah. and yeah. they proceeded to all leave and go for a smoke break. And I was so close to grabbing a beer from behind the bar, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to drink it long, like quick enough, mm-hmm. and I was going to have to hide it. So that didn't go great. And um, I saw them, I saw someone order food. So like one of the guys, and I it was just like, it looked terrible. It looked burnt. It was like a burnt <laughs> burger. And I was like, oh my God, this place, like I used to think this place was a dump and like, uh, like a loving dump. And now it's just a dump dump. Yeah, so, but it, it, it's going to be interesting if someone tries to come in there and like actually clean it up and make it like a legit well, decent bar. I don't know if you know, and I, I, I'm guessing some people will listen to like the the tavern is like where kids go now. Like people uh, still go to think Granville on Thursdays. Yeah, but like the tavern next to U of L is still is like that's. I mean, that's starting to nicer. happen though. Like it's nicer. That, it that happened. Like I'm pretty sure when we were still at U of L though. Yeah, like for people sure. started going to the tavern. That was probably late. Like I didn't, I didn't really go to the bars much my my junior year because I was taking a ins- obscene amount of hours and mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to kill myself. But um, that that definitely started to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, once it started, you know, it, it's it popped off and then they got burnt down, which is real cool. So I thought I was just going to ask you questions to like start the show. Another question I had for you is: too much love for Zion or not enough? Um, because I, I'm, I'm on the outside here, man. I, I am totally fine with everything that that the, all the love that you want to give to Zion. I am, I'm here for. I think it's fully. Uh, here's my thing. I, I have no issues with ESPN trying to make Zion appear to be the next great thing. Like that's just listen. Like I laughed so hard when I saw the like the Zion cam during the UK game screenshot that went around <laughs> yeah, like i was you. like uk fans are so mad about this i'm so happy yeah but so i'm i'm like listen man i, I not 
ESPN will never like miss an opportunity to go nuts. I don't know if people remember like when David Beckham came and he played for like two minutes in the first game and they just like had a camera on him on the bench for mm-hmm. the entire game and it was on in the corner. So that so, was like I mean, that was like twelve years ago. So no, I don't have an issue. But I do want to say this really quick about Zion. I, I respect the skill watching him beat Louisville and like there was like 10 plays during that Louisville game. It was like, how, like no one else in basketball can do what he just did. And it happened you were like, there, right? yeah, it happened like seven times. So I was like, Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. But my thing is like, I'm legitimately not even like funnily concerned about the weight injury issue. Oh yeah. That's a real thing. So I just, that's, that's my thing with it. It's like, I just can't, I can't get out of my mind excited for it as a person who is, you know, like literally like I've got the Mavericks on and I, I don't know if Porzingis is playing, but like he missed like seven straight games with like a bad right. knee. And like, there are some basketball players that are just not built to be the way they are. And I fear that Zion is that. And I, I swear to fucking God, like it's, it's not a joke. Being in New Orleans adds to that because the food is oh, so yeah. damn. Like if you were in Minnesota, it it legitimately wouldn't be as much of a problem. Or if you were in Indianapolis or Phoenix, pick a random franchise think, here. Yeah, and if you think it's not an issue, then you haven't read enough about how players like act. You know, right? And yeah. like, yes, there's a lot that can be done. I think he's. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to be like, I'm. You know, forget my nutritional routine. I'm going to eat a lot of gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. like that, it, you know, it has an impact. And yeah, if you're in Minnesota, if you're in Milwaukee, if you're in, you know, if you're in Oklahoma City and there's less to do and there's less to like be a part of, that's a part, you know, that's a thing, man. Like D- Kevin Durant opened his own restaurant in in, in Oklahoma City because he hated the food. Right. <laughs> you know, which, like is, which is hilarious. I mean, like, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Oklahoma. I've I, never um, been to it. No. So there's a funny like I'll keep this as abbreviated as possible, but I was driving on a tow road through Oklahoma and didn't have any cash on me. Um, just had my debit card, mm-hmm. and the guy essentially said, "You're gonna have to get off the tow road if you can't give me something." And the tow was like three fifty. So I, I shit you not, I give this guy seventy five cents. <laughs> he writes me a receipt and mails it to me for the remainder of the money for three dollars. <laughs> I had to mail the state of Oklahoma a three dollar check so <laughs> that is something i keep in mind when i when i get pissed off about like how backwards kentucky is is that i had to do that in the state of oklahoma um last question i have for you that's kind of off the wall here i don't want to get into the um is eli manning a hall of famer or not discussion well because the answer is um, yes but sure okay yeah i i, I tend <laughs> to agree with you but there's been something like a, a narrative that's been floating around from a lot of national people that Part of the reason why Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer is because he won Super Bowls yeah. in New York. And that means something than, you know, winning Super Bowls. It means more than winning Super Bowls in Houston or, or doing it in, in Minnesota. You did it in the biggest market, you know, in sports. I think that with the NFL, that is not nearly as relevant right. because the NFL is such a major, 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 major thing. Yeah. I was just curious what you thought about that. Now, if you were doing it with the Knicks, if you're rebirthing them or, or something like that, it would be massive, but I'm not sure I buy that narrative here. Here's, here's what I think is a bigger part of it is the, if he had won those Super Bowls against like Kansas city and Indianapolis, 
Not the Patriots. And not the Patriots. I think that has, I think the fact that it was over the Patriots has way bigger impact than the fact that it was in New York. He could have been, he could have been on any team. And if it was again, you know, and it was against the Patriots, it would have been a huge deal. Antonio Brown just turned himself into the police. I was going to say that. (laughs) You're trying, but you're trying to get away from one thing because I want to acknowledge this is our first podcast. I'm I'm running from it. You're running from it. This is our first podcast since you announced that you'll be leaving the city of Louisville. Yeah, for man. Alaska. For what city in Alaska again, Chris? Skagway, Alaska. Skagway, which we realized, I looked it up on maps, on Google Maps after you announced it, is literally like two miles away from a city called Haines, Alaska, that a good is- buddy of mine lived in, in two ye- for two years. <laughs> and I was like, what a freaking world. Like, literally, right. I was talking to him the other night, and I was like, hey, my my friend is moving to Skagway. He's like, oh, Skagway, it's great. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so, but Chris, you're, you're, you're moving. Yeah, I, I'm sure, it, I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you know this. I'd be shocked if you didn't. But Chris is leaving. I'll, if you want to give the, the 30 seconds on it, I have a few questions about it. Yeah. I mean, no, like I, I, I kind of just put it into context in the words. I always like I better like, it in the show notes. If like you don't just wanna... kind of like writing it out to, yeah. to, to tell you what's going on. Um, but, you know, me and my fiance are moving there to work with with dog mushers um, and, and dog handlers. And I've actually got an opportunity to write with with some of the uh, the local newspapers there which is on super just awesome. Just yeah. that uh, that experience of doing it, which is cool for me. Um, I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it. And then it's, it's kind of like a lifestyle change in general, just for the next few years, um, of, of doing some random ass seasonal work. So I want to, I just, I, I have a feeling maybe I'm wrong, but I have a feeling there's one or two people, maybe, maybe three to five who are listening to this podcast and thinking, man, I wish I could do what Chris is doing. Maybe it's not Alaska. Maybe it's South America or Europe, sort of what Jeff Greer is doing. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, what, what, not what possessed you, but for lack of a better word, like what was the impetus for you to do this? You know, what, what were the first steps you took? If someone is thinking about doing it, what would you recommend how would you recommend they go about it? Uh, it sounds like corny as fuck, but I read a book um, called okay. Confessions of a uh, Recovering Environmentalist. Okay. Um, and goddamn, this is this could be like a really long story, but like for so long, like my uh, my whole view of of taking like you know you know justice or or, or action in the world or, or something like that was like actively like protesting and, yeah. and doing things like that. Yeah. And that stuff's great. But what when I read this read this book, it kind of talked about just like there's these the these I can't even really put it in a word, but these are there's these things you can kind of do on your own. And it creates your own like little, uh, I guess personal impact. personal impact. And I, I just never viewed it through the. the I, I'm kind of stumbling on my words, but no, I never no, viewed fine. it you're through the fine. context it's of like. It's not easy to put into words. If you're, I've always viewed it. If you're not out in the streets speaking for change, that means you're enabling. Okay. And that was something That's that fair. changed changed significantly for me. And. Honestly, like after, you know, 25, 20, 26, I don't think we change much in our beliefs. <laughs> um, 
I, I think we kind of remain the same. You know, we, we adapt new things. But this it was a wild experience for me. So I read that book um, and decided that I didn't want to view my life as, you know, um, just chasing a, a new job or a new promotion or right. a new career. Um, and I wanted to do things that were, you know, fulfilling in my life. Um, so, yeah, I... I went and worked at Yellowstone briefly, um, and then came back and kind of right, shared right, right. this shared this amazing experience with my fiance. Um, we talked about it. We've we've talked about it for seven or eight months, and then here we are. We're seeking out seasonal positions in Alaska um, because we always wanted to go to Alaska. The best way to see Alaska is to you know live there for for a few months and see the weather change and, and things like that. Um, and yeah, found this job, and yeah, she's. Um, she, she's leaving a bit more of a career than I am. Um, she's a graphic designer, and she she's leaving all of that to, to go pursue some of this stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of, like, I find myself, like, stumbling on, on my words. It's why I was, like, very happy that I could write it out. Um, <laughs> I was mad at you because I, I we had planned on you talking about it last week, and then the <laughs> night you, of— Yeah, I know you were. I just felt like in the moment. The night I, of I, you I, was I just like, I'm not going to talk about it. Like, I'm not going to talk. I was like, all right, that's cool. And then, like, two days later, you're like, wait. I'm going to talk about it now. I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) Because I knew it would come out this way. And then I would just find myself saying, God damn it. I I can't say what I want to say. So I was glad that I had the written part first. No, but I admire you so much for doing it. I I said it in tweets and I wanted to say it in in over Zoom meeting slash the podcast. I admire you so much. (laughs) And I know there's a lot of people. I'm sure I speak for a lot of people that admire your decision. I know it's going to be hard without you. And as I said in tweets, um, I've had a few people ask me what's going to happen to the podcast. I'm not worried about that. Chris and I are going to enjoy the rest of the season because I think it's going to be a real special one. So we're going to we'll worry about that when we 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 get to that bridge. But for now, we're going to have a good time. If you if you want to send me suggestions of like weird things to do the first week that I get there, um, I was thinking about printing out a picture of VJ King and asking the people of Alaska if they thought that he met his expectations at Louisville and seeing what they said. Yeah, that that's that's what I have so far. So if you have a better idea that can top that, another one I think is uh, which um, which rich which Rick Pitino recruit that didn't make it on campus would have had the biggest uh, impact. (laughs) I think is another like Telfair. Yeah. How different do you think? Things would be for Louisville if they grabbed Telfair. I like that. Yeah. Like, give me the whole list of guys. LeBron James. Like, wait, that's LeBron James. Yeah. yeah he was like, Louisville is like his fourth choice. Come on. It was, he almost came here. He almost came here. I've told so many people that over the years. That's terrible. No. Uh, I think that's it for now. We're going to ta- actually talk about basketball. Uh, so hit the intro. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back, Chris. Since the last time we talked, a lot has happened for Louisville basketball. I want to give you credit because you called... Louisville beating Duke. We're not going to talk a ton about the Duke game because it's it's been almost a week now. But you called Louisville beating Duke. I didn't have the guts to do it. You called Louisville beating Duke. They did so 79-73 in the signature win of the season. Nothing's going to top that. And then they turned around and struggled against the Georgia Tech, uh, the the Bees, the Yellow Jackets, and, and, a, and a squeaker of a win mm-hmm. on Wednesday, 68-64. 
it, what a weird game that was. So, yeah, Chris, I, 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 I have this headline. I was like, I think we're good again. Or are we? Because it was a tale of two games, sort of. I, 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 I think that that Georgia Tech game was very odd. What are your... Where, where are you at with this basketball team? <laughs> what are your feelings? I know you were talking specifically about this, you know, coming out of Duke, this team should be better. This team, you know, they can afford to turn it on and off against Georgia Tech, but they can't do that against everyone. What, uh, where, where are you at? What, what are your thoughts? I think I messaged you before the Georgia Tech game and told you I was concerned about it too. Um, because you did, you said you were really concerned. Yeah. Like, <sighs> There seems to be this this type of profile of like teams that give Louisville problems, and it's like Florida State's kind of the exception here because they're not like very good defensively, but they did kind of just shoot the lights out when they came into the um. Right. Um, but Texas Tech's really good defensively. Kentucky's good defensively. But it's like these annoyingly good defensive teams that are that are constantly going to make you work, and then it's almost like guards that are like selfish. That, mm-hmm. that are, are going to impose their will on you and they're going to come straight at you. Those are kind of the teams that it, it seems like for whatever reason that, that are bothering Louisville. Um, I was, you know, Louisville wins by 10, 12 points against Georgia Tech. I was fully prepared to come on here and say that I think Louisville's going to win out until they go to Florida State because that's, that's, that's how I was feeling. That's something that I feel like a lot of people were thinking and no one was saying. Um, because you look at the schedule, um, you can obviously see that as a, a as a real possibility. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you get through, you know, this this coming week unscathed. But man, like, it, I, I'm trying to decide if this is a team that simply plays down to their competition or, or what it is because. I heard someone make the make the good point of maybe this team plays well away from the away from the yum and maybe there's something to that. But that would kind of be like counterintuitive to, to talk about like we we've talked about like, you know, mental fragileness and, and, and things like that with this team. So if I think you were they've gonna, shown they've shown mental toughness at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I I, I just think like after the, the Duke win we fully like we looked at Notre Dame and and Pittsburgh in a completely different light, and and now we're like kind of re recreating that with with Georgia Tech, and we don't really know how to view it. Like they won, they they won. Right. It reminds me almost of like in some ways it reminds me of Kentucky football two years ago, how they just continually won these squeakers and squeakers and squeakers, and they they became just this this very difficult team to analyze. Louisville is a very difficult team to analyze right now because they they don't have like we just haven't seen them be dominant for forty minutes. I think that's that's the biggest thing that's men- that's missing. We we've seen the teases, we've seen the glimpses. I mean that that spurt to end the game um, against Georgia Tech. I think it was like the eleven zero run. Felt like it felt like a two thousand and thirteen boom. It felt like Duke in the NCAA tournament in the lead eight. It, it, that's what it felt like. So yeah. You you had everything in, in in Georgia Tech. You had you know you had going down early. You had doing that lead and then you had almost giving it up and then you had you had david johnson with the turnovers you we'll, we'll talk about the player stuff but goodness man it, it, it's tough it's tough right now to, to to get a gauge on this team it really is yeah i i'm 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 constantly struggling myself i don't know it's such a weird thing because i don't know i was having a conversation with a coworker today and i i I feel like if david johnson doesn't get into foul trouble louisville wins that game by more 
not to make that say not to say that he was the best. I think Darius Perry really really held his own, and and really honestly was the best guard of the night. But it almost felt like at, at some point, I mean. David Johnson was a big part of that. There were two big runs. There was a 12 to two run that started um, about 10 minutes into the, or I'm sorry, about like two, three minutes into the second half. And then there was a 15 to two run that took less time. It took four minutes. It was about a four minute run. Louisville went 15 to two from they about had, the they, nine they and a half mark. They definitely had that boom thing. They had that boom thing. And I've mentioned it a few times on here and you've talked about it. And, like they just have these parts that feel like final four team parts. They have a deep bench. They, you know, they can, they, even if they're cold all night, they can have people, you know, they can have a guy show up and, and, you know, Ryan McMahon can hit a clutch three or, or uh, fresh Kimball can take a step back jumper to, to, you know, if, if they're hurting by the skin of their teeth and then they do the boom thing and they can, they can play well in transition. So they have these parts, but it just, I don't know. Chris Mack was incredibly frustrated with this team with that first half, which honestly I felt like I should have seen coming that first half. It, it seemed pretty easy to me. Because given, you know, like. Because because Georgia Tech's good of, enough. They're good enough to be annoying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're they're definitely not what their record reflects. Like, they're a decent, especially defensively team. And I think, you know, we'll talk about Passner here in a bit. And, like, I don't think he'd ever admit this, but I think. Louisville's like one of those teams that he kind of just points to his guys like all right we gotta like show up for these guys because I kind of hate them and I've I've been around them for a long time (laughs) yeah so I think he had his guys physically ready and the fact I when when uh when they had that mention I forgot who it was on on Georgia Tech that wasn't in both games last season which guy was it it was Alvarado missed both games last season and it was like five minutes into the game I was like okay that's why he's gonna drop you know you know, 20 points on us, but you only dropped 13. So, uh, or it was DeVoe. I'm sorry. He, he dropped 20 points and 21 points on us. Like, okay, that's why, he, you know, he missed both games last year. So Max said something like in the presser, it wasn't, it was, if you watch a few of the videos, um, it's, it's on some of those videos. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's on like the official presser because it was kind of like a, a question almost like literally as he was walking out the door and I guess he just decided to answer. Um, I, I don't remember the exact question, but his response was something along the lines of saying that we have a bunch of players on this team that are used to winning, but they have to get used to being the guys that lead the charge of winning. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird role for them. Um, what do you, what do you think of that? I mean, I well, I mean we've, we've talked about we've leadership. Talked, I think this, that goes yeah. with the vocalness of the team. And, I mean, that's what Darius Perry was doing last night. There was a few times where people got fouled and Darius like, all right, everybody get together and get, you know. And that's one thing we've seen Laura do in the past few games. We still, I still, I mean, I'm not watching him every second, but I still don't see Dwayne Sutton do it. I don't know. I just think that's just not the type of guy he is. I've Which seen is Malik weird. do it. I've seen Malik do it a lot. And I, I think that that's not a coincidence with the fact that he's been playing well. I yeah. think he's feel he feels like he's the type – he's where he used to be in terms of performance. And I have seen him grab guys more often, get more involved, you know, physical touches, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, patting guys on the back during free throws, stuff like that. I mean, so I, I've seen him do that, but I don't know, man. Like, <sighs> what's so weird about this team is that at Cameron, you had Jordan Moore and Stephen Enoch combined for 16 points, mm-hmm. and it felt like it wasn't even a story. 
Like the Jordan <laughs> War no show thing was a story. Yeah. But it was like, you know, story B. David Johnson was story one. Of course. And then and then after that it was just I, I think just how well Louisville looked executed in the half court with, with all that backdoor shit and things like that was like story two. And then after that it was Wara. But you've had games. I mean, you, you've had multiple games where where Stephen Enoch and Jordan Moore haven't shown up really, and Louisville's won. I mean, Stephen Enoch plays. He has thirteen points against Georgia Tech. He plays eighteen minutes. He didn't play particularly well. Um, and, and then Jordan Moore has a ten point showing. And you know, I I didn't expect. I was listening to one of our earlier podcasts from this season before we um, get started here. Uh, I think it was earlier today. And the storyline was, you know, Chris Mack selling selling you on Ryan Man, you know, Jordan Moore and, and Stephen Enoch being kind of the anchors of this team. Maybe Samuel Williamson has, has emerges and, and things like that. Maybe that's what we're talking about January. And really, mm-hmm. none of that's happened. Ryan McMahon's minutes have declined. Yeah, um, he, he played 10 minutes on Wednesday. Yeah, so I guess I'm just saying all that to say, how is this team still winning? Like I don't, they had no business winning against Georgia Tech, honestly. But, hey, like they have to learn. Like, I always tell people, it's like you gotta show me you can win a lot of different ways, right? And they did it last night. Like they, they, you know, they've weathered storms. They've shown how to weather storms. They've shown how to win when Jordan's shown up. They've shown how to win when he doesn't show up, and they've won when it's in between. You know. It's I mean, it actually odd. was worse when he showed up. The Florida State game was, you know, 32 points and, and yeah. Jordan Moore and no one else. Yeah. I mean, I think we're at the point where we kind of agree that 32-point, 33-point Jordan Moore is not what we want. But we also don't want 5-10-point to 10 point Jordan Moore. <laughs> like yeah. We want something in the middle. Um Let's let's talk a little bit about this this tempo thing okay. that I, I, yeah. I didn't really mean to start a bit of a flurry on Twitter today, and I, it wasn't it wasn't like significant. No, no, it, was it was like just, me and like a few other people that were kind of talking about people it. Chatting. But I think that Mac has a very like odd dilemma here because I'm not sure that that Mac wants to play fast. Um, though he keeps finding himself in these weird places where all of his best teams seem to play better when they play fast. Um, the Xavier team that had the one seed, I didn't go further back than this, but the Xavier team that had the one seed was like in the top 50 of tempo for Kim Palm. Yeah. Um, and like the year before that, they were like 222, basically like in the area that Louisville's in right now. Um, Louisville's best I mean, yeah. you want to say their best performance was at Duke, what happened to be the fastest tempo they played at um, all year. I, I think you have a bunch of guys on this team that were recruited to play at a, a Rick Bettino tempo, which is not significantly faster than what they're right. playing right now, but but faster. And then you have a guy like David Johnson who just seems to flourish in the open court. Um, you have a guy in Fresh Kimbo, Kimball who who seems to flourish in the in the open court. Um, so I, does does this team need to play faster? <laughs> yes, yes. I think in some points, especially given how anemic they can be in the half court, I do. Listen, I, I we're we're the Darius Perry podcast. And I do wonder if Mac is more comfortable running quicker with David Johnson, because I think David Johnson has shown an ability to finish inside more than any of the other guards. Mm-hmm. 
So I wonder if that's something we'll see more of. In the, He's like in the, shooting like eighty percent at the rim. It's fucking like something absurd. It's like it's like I looked it up the other day. It was like twenty eight of like thirty one at the rim. David and Johnson. Probably, is, and it's it would. I mean, he got blocked twice at the rim by I don't remember what the guy's name was from Georgia Tech, but he's like the number three blocker. You know, James Banks. Yeah, James Banks is like the number three blocker in, in the ACC. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I didn't realize he's like, dang, like he's getting us. You know. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, we had a few games early on where it may be more than like I know it's eighty percent, but he had a few games early on where like he blocked himself at the rim. Like yeah, he 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 got too far like far underneath of it and like yeah. That well, like happened. if we look at the games where Louisville's played the fastest, so like you know Duke seven you know seventy seven tempo, uh, Texas Tech seventy six they lost that one. Yeah, Akron seventy six. That was not that big of a win, and then Miami, the first game of the year. Akron's a good team, though. Yeah, true. That yeah, I, I didn't I, even realize they're fifty nine. The Ken Palm, shoot, dude. I, I saw them in like a like a twelve seed game against Kentucky, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't want to see that team as a twelve seed. Yeah, yeah no, I guess they're good. they're going to win the conference. Yeah, I, I, I think so. But the the, the Texas Tech, um, I saw that too, and that was like a weird outliner to me because that game didn't seem quick to me at all. But I do want to say. I do I do agree with our buddy Jeff Greer that the pack line does have something to do with it. He yes. got mad at me. He got mad at me today, I think. <laughs> He's listening. Shout out to Jeff. Uh, you know, he's going to Greece, I think he said soon. Shout out yeah. to him. Uh, it's, I'm going to be super jelly when he posts those pictures. Um, but yeah, so um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think I, I, it's true. I mean, I, turnovers precipitate tempo. So but you I know, th- like, you, you know, like what happened against Duke is that they. I, I don't think I think people fall into this trap with the pack line that because Virginia plays super slow that like you have to sp- play like super slow because you play pack line defense. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, Indiana's played pack line defense, and I, I think I'm pretty sure they've had some teams that have played at a relatively like high tempo. Um, I, I agree with you because you take less gambles and mm-hmm. you by nature force less turnovers. That yes, um, you're going to play at a slower rate. But against Duke, they you know they they, they fronted Vernon Vernon Carey, and then they kind of like when he got the catch, they came right at him with a quick double team um, because I guess they viewed him as not like a good passer and they got some some turnovers and some stuff out of that and some easy runouts and then like david johnson was took a lot of risk like in the passing a lot lanes. of risk um and and, and that kind of paid off so like i guess what i'm saying here in in a longer form is like i am really and this isn't a, this really isn't a thing on chris mack i said a few days ago i think chris mack has done a wonderful coaching job with this team i really do because um, we talk every week about how difficult they are to analyze, but I I, I, I get so sick in general in college basketball when when there are these 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 coaches that refuse to adjust to the players on their team. They have their system that they're going to play, and they're not going to adjust it. Any I I think with this team and in the position that Mac finds himself in, and knowing that some of these players weren't recruited to play the way he wants to play, mm-hmm. that you have to you have to walk that tightrope a little bit. There has to be a little bit of freedom in the pack line to take some chances. And yes, it may burn you, but goodness gracious, when it goes well, I'm sounding like Josh Passner. Goodness no. gracious, um, <laughs> but but when it goes well, man, um, it looks really good. Yeah, it does. It does. I, I, Duke was, was dude. Dude, Vernon Carey was out of that game in five minutes. He was frustrated. That was 
that's one of the best. I, I mean, I mean, last season, if they had beaten Duke, we would have been saying the same thing. That's one of the best coaching performances I've ever seen. Just the best preparation. I, I mean, I, I, I wonder, I mean, it was like the same offensive game plan it as it was last was year, which is like a say. huge slap at K's face. I was I about to so say, much. I feel like he kind of went to some of the same techniques, some of the same crossing, uh, which they sort of used. I saw Georgia Tech sort of clamp down on that, like, okay, you're not going to beat us that way, even though I think there was a lot, a few buckets that ended up coming that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I, I'm still I'm at a loss for words, and I'm like I want to see them play. Like I want to see them play Clemson. Like I want to see what happens. That- <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say. Is like I'm I'm glad. Like I, I told you, we talked about recording like after the say. after the Duke game, and I'm glad we paused so we wouldn't be on here like calling David Johnson LeBron because I was ready to do that. We <laughs> still need to see more. I don't know. I do think, and I want to say you 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 mentioned like the defensive stuff, and you had the tweet about him being you know. He, he he fouls a lot because he's out of position. He's out of position. He, he was pretty garbage defensively against Georgia Tech. Sorry to hear. And it, it, the two of the foul calls, I think, were a little you know they they were kind of ticky tack. But two of them were just a hundred percent him just trying to do too much. Even like, but even part of that's like like being a freshman because yeah uh, because you know in the college game. You're not going to get the same like officiating every night. It's just the way it is. So you get called for that first ticky tack foul. You you got to say you yourself, gotta okay, you this is learn. this is how it's being called tonight. Man, um, he, he picked him up quick. He well, picked him well, up quick. One thing I've recently, I don't know why it took me this long to discover this, and I absolutely love it that we have a coach who who keeps like a little piece of paper in his back pocket and like writes thing writes stuff down in the middle of the game. And I love to have like a coach that that's just on the sideline writing on a piece of paper. I don't know I've why that's so to, funny yeah. to me. No, but like kind of in a similar vein, I've begun to enjoy like the timeouts where you see like the chairs come out and the players all sit and then Matt goes to talk with Matt the assistants, assistants for 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. It's and like NBA kinda, right there. It's it's I love those cuz it's just kind of <laughs> It both, I think, helps the team and then also just makes me feel like he's leaning on everyone else in a different way than, like, Rick would. Mm-hmm. Not not to compare everything to Rick, but that's just, you know, whatever. Um, it's really fun. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've really come to love Chris Mack, and it was pretty great. Just the season that we've had where it's, like, you know, the Sully thing and all the things on Facebook with people like, oh, I'm so tired of, you know, Mac with after UK. And then just the other night, I think it was Ennis, who tweeted out, like, oh, here's, you know, everyone wanted Shaka Smart. And, like, he's getting whooped by, like, yeah. nobody at Texas. <laughs> his, like, his... This is the guy you wanted and, like, you're mad still? Like, <laughs> There's a brief period of time where I probably wanted Shaka Smart at Louisville. So I'll, I'll uh, definitely yeah, no, no, hey. I'll definitely dance and all that. Um, Chris Mack dunked on me this week. Yes. We have to mention that. <laughs> So, and hey, like I'm with you on this. We're on the Sam Williamson playing the two scheme, and uh, Danielle Lerner from the the Athletic mentioned it in the pregame chat uh, before before Georgia Tech the day before chat, and he said, and she mentioned, hey, like Sam Williamson is playing the two. Like, is that going to happen more often? And Mac just says with a smirk, like, oh, that was that was Dwayne. Sam's never played the two. But you know what's hilarious about that is like Duke was Duke was playing like three guards. Yeah. So Sam was guarding it too, and he happened to be guarding the two guard because I I, I don't think 
Mac put Samuel Williamson on Cassius Stanley. Um, and I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I wouldn't imagine him putting him on Cassius Stanley because I would say Cassius Stanley would probably eat him up. So he had to be guarding Duke's two guard. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with Mac, but it seems like he was pretty much playing the two to me. Um, I don't talk, know. To Sam Williams, and talk about somebody who's, I mean, he's not, you know, he played 17 minutes had five points against Georgia Tech, played 20 minutes, had five points against Duke. But it just feels like you get the sense of the awareness that he has. You get like the fundamental basketball IQ-ness that makes him, you know, that made him a five-star recruit. And what I like about it is you never, you don't have the feeling even remotely close to the feeling that you had with with VJ King. Exactly. Or even even Wayne Blackshear. There's in-game awareness that he has like already you know, I think he just has to have the opportunity to put it together. And I mean, he, too, I think he's hit uh, like a big three in both games, right? I think. Yeah, he's had several. Um, I think he's. He was he's, one for one for he, one in, in, in Georgia Tech, and he didn't shoot a three at Duke. My mistake. I'm pretty sure he's second on the team in in and ones by Anwara. Um, it seems yeah. like any time he gets fouled at the bucket, he makes it. After. I just love his game. I love his game. I feel I, we're just kind of musing on this because I, I I think we don't really know what else to say about this basketball team. So, no, I mean this is uh, this is fine. Like it, it, you you have a lot of like that's what you can say about this basketball team is you have a lot of things happening that I don't think we expect it to begin the season, mm-hmm. but they're working. Malik Williams. We can maybe we'll save it for the next podcast, but in my eyes, Malik Williams has passed up Stephen Enoch. He's been no, great. I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong at all. It was good. To, it was good that Steve got to you know he didn't have a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, five of nine, Stephen Enoch with five of nine. You know, three of four from the from the free throw line. Um, had three offensive rebounds, which which you always love to see, and then you know kept the fouling to a limited amount in just eighteen minutes. Um, I love to see that just Stephen Steve Wise because I, I think like he's going to be fouling. Yeah, I, like I mean, I like foul. seeing that fouling hasn't really been a thing. That was this such year. a thing for him early. So yeah. you know, I think you that. Wanna- that talk a little bit about jordan Moore. um we have to yeah <laughs> what do you want to say though because I, this to me is an infuriating annoying conversation um because like so i heard the different perspective of this today and it's like sorry that the best basketball experts on twitter think that jordan Moore isn't a problem but he is. So it's like people pretty much just ignoring everything that, that he's doing to, to kind of affect the game otherwise. Um, and, and pretty much just looking at the, the, the shot selection and the shot chart and things like that. And like last game was more troubling to me than the Duke game. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that. But no, what, I completely what, agree. What, I mean, what are we, your got to a point, we got to a point where, where Jordan was subbed out offense defense at yeah. the end of the game. That's bad. Yeah. That's really bad hey, against Georgia Tech. Like that's a hundred percent. Like I, 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 you know, the Duke game to me, you know, yeah, I wish he, you know, I guess he did against Florida State. I wish he could, you know, when the lights are brightest. Yeah, when the lights are brightest, you know, have an excellent game. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think that's something you're just gonna have to live with. That he's a little bit anemic. I. Listen, man. There were a lot of uh, there were a lot of celebration videos after that Duke game. 
a lot of celebration videos. No, you're right. And I think I think they weren't ready to play. And that sucks. See, that I didn't. sucks to say, but I don't think they were ready. No, the, the the first half I was I was doing some stuff at work, so I was a little bit in and out of the first half. I mm-hmm. watched the entire second half, um, start mm-hmm. to finish. But the first five minutes of that game, I didn't sense a hangover effect. I thought that Georgia Tech was really good offensively. Um, I think and, it was a combination it, of all the above, but yeah. But it, I, I, I've seen this team look look sleepy and, and hungover. I saw it against USC Upstate. And I saw it you know against Akron in some stretches. I, I didn't get that same feel is what I'm saying. It could have very okay. well been the case. Um, but I didn't get that same feel. The, the, the thing about like like Jordan War that, that kind of like irks me a little bit is that people have got into with this team in particular, they've got into this camp with, you know, if it's Darius Perry, if it's David Johnson, if it's Fresh Camel, they're going to protect what they think. And regardless of what they see in front of their eyes, they're not going to change their view. So people have this belief that that Jordan War constantly just shoots shoots Louisville out of games. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't think that's been the case for, for Duke or, or Georgia Tech. Yes, he takes a few shots that are ill-advised off the dribble, but that's been a significant part of his game since he's been at Louisville, and he still makes a lot of those difficult I mean, shots. He was only he was only two from two and four from from three against Georgia yeah, Tech. Yeah, I mean it was so it, was it wasn't little... it wasn't it wasn't a ridiculous. It wasn't you know he's one from one for seven from you know from two, but it was not a situation where he was willy nilly just chucking up threes. Yeah, but do you do you agree with me that it's like this this weird thing like? You know, I I like David Johnson. I want him to play. So, you yeah. know, his his shortcomings or whatever he does on the court, I'm going to completely ignore. He just made a dunk. He just did that. Let's not talk about the other things. But it, it, if it's another player that that he's kind of fighting for time for, that stuff gets mag- magnified. It's a little weird to me. I think just the inconsistencies. I think this team is so inconsistent, like in terms of what we like what its characteristics are. It's just been kind of all over the place that everyone wants their analysis to be correct. Yeah. Which I get it. Listen, like, you know, everyone does. I think it's just, I think we're, we're used to guys who, when they're the go-to guy, they can be a hundred percent, the go-to guy that, you know, they're used to Russ Smith that they can count on, you know, Russ Smith didn't have down games, you know, (laughs) If he did, he was going to shoot 30 and make sure he got his numbers anyway, so it didn't matter. Um, I oh, mean, what I, what I think about this team is that I can go through the entire backcourt. I think David Johnson gives Louisville a different view and a different, you know, offensive ability that no one else on the team gives. I think on the other end, I think he's the worst defender that's getting over 20 minutes. I think he's a worse defender than Ryan Mann, to be honest with you. I think he's a worse defender than Sam Williamson. Um, and that could be a reflection of that he is having more some more of the tougher assignments because he, he's going against you know the, right. the point guard in the posing team. I think that you've seen two games now from Darius Perry that when, when things are going bad, he's been able to lift the team in different ways in conference playing. It's Miami um, that kind of started this whole road. He had the little 5-0 run or whatever it was that kind of, you know, initiated the, the second half run. And then yeah. against Georgia Tech, I thought in the last five, six minutes that his on-ball defense was just really, really good. I heard, you know, I heard multiple people rave kind of about that Chris Mack himself. Um, of course. 
And then when it comes to Fresh Kimball, he just makes big plays. Yeah, he makes savvy veteran plays. He's crafty. It's, you know, step back three against Duke, like just stupid stuff. It's just that that's he is he's definitely been the savvy veteran. And he's I don't know, man, like where everyone and that's my issue with that was that that's the problem with crowning David Johnson is even after he's played well. Mac has said, you know, they're going to rely on every guy. There's going to be games where David Johnson is going to rack up four fouls and you're going to have to rely on Darius Perry. But, but, There's going to be games where Darius Perry, you know, turns the ball over three times. You're going to have to rely on, on Fresh Kimball. It's just it's going to be different different strokes for different folks. Like it's just gonna, How important it's, do you think it is to have a set ro- rotation relying on saying, you know, whoever has the hot hand, we're going to just roll with this too? Because I don't think it matters, honestly. I don't think it matters. I used to subscribe to, like, you need to know what's going to happen each game. But I don't know. I I, I think I think if there's a year where it does matter, it's this year. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no shit, right. And, and, and we've seen this team be anemic and come back and do stuff. So it's like... It's not like it's not like this team hasn't shown us it can come from behind. You know, it's not like this team hasn't shown us that it can weather a storm if it needs to and make an adjustment. And and Mac's trying to figure it out, but I, I you know, I wouldn't, you know, what if what if he starts someone so, you know, someone at point guard different, you know, the first and second game of the ACC tournament. Yeah. Like are people gonna really be like that upset about it? I don't know, you know? The I mean, people getting like legit upset about David Johnson not starting. That that's like been a new thing this week, right? It's been like you need to start David like, Johnson no because you can't see afford. Me. I have my hands up. I just hate the fact that if he's from if he if he's from Seymour, Indiana, it's not an issue. If he's from Topeka, Kansas, that's not an issue. I don't know, man. Like, it's just like, yeah, well, he's so from like Louisville. The, the, it's the, fantastic. The, the, I love the fact that he's from Louisville, but that doesn't that doesn't entitle him. It, the, the, it's not that it doesn't mean that Mac has to build the entire team around him after you know an amazing performance. Like, that's just not that's not rational. Well, the thing has been, or at least like the the gut like go to reaction after Georgia Tech and this is just judging it off some of the call ins is that you can't afford to not start David Johnson because he's coming in and you're already in a hole. Which to me just sounds ludicrous. No. But that's that's like been a thing that's been out there. Because well, like, he didn't start like, against like, Duke guys. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when when you're in like when you're in a dogfight in conference play regardless of the opponent when once like after that first 10 minutes if you're in a dogfight you're in a dogfight like it, yeah. it's not it's not changing yeah um so that's been like the whole argument on that side but I, I i don't subscribe much to that um i told you like earlier when we before we started recording i really hope that that there's some type of interaction between san diego state twitter and Louisville twitter <laughs> because like there we could see ourselves in a position you know, if things go well, um, where where San Diego State and Louisville are on that like last one line, and I yeah, I, I want that in my life. I want San I want Louisville fans like talking down to San Diego State fans about being in like a shitty conference because Louisville was that school ten years ago, um, and, and like yeah, I, I, I need we're that. We're in such a unique, and you were talking a little bit. You were looking at the the team sheets and the kind of the the resumes and stuff. I, I really do want to encourage Louisville fans. It's you know 
we're about to get into February. It's time to start looking brackety, right? It's time to, to keep our eyes on it. And I think Louisville's kind of in a tough position this year where you've got so many – you've got multiple teams that are kind of clumped together that could take that – uh, that Indianapolis regional from them, you know, we just had we're, we're that's recording. That's a big part. That's a big part. We're, we're, we just had Michigan State lose to IU, an unranked IU, so they're going to plummet a little bit. Right now, I'm looking at batch, not bracket matrix, and Louisville's the number one ranked three seed, but they've got Michigan State above them as a two seed, and then Dayton, Dayton and Butler, who both would be you know gunning for that uh, that Indy regional. So that's mm-hmm. like three teams that are kind of in the same clump that Louisville is going to be competing with. And, and unfortunately they're all in different conferences. So it's not like they can really cannibalize each other. Um, so that's something to keep your eye on. I think Dayton, honest, Dayton, Dayton really scares me. Cause I just, I, I think the A-10 isn't that deep, you know, the big yeah. East, I could see Butler losing to a, you know, the, the big East has some, has some, you know, it has some guys. Um, and I don't really see Dayton running into a whole lot of can, you know, a whole lot of competition for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, they're fourth in Ken Palm and, and looking and at it now, the net ranking loves them. And they've got a guy in Obi Toppin that I think like they're going to want to reward that, you know, they get, they, no, they, they, they always want to reward the top, you know, kind of, you know, he's a lottery pick at this point. So I, and, um, um, I tend to think that like seating is less important this year. And like regional placement is a little bit more important. Yes. But when I'm looking at like bracket matrix, Look at that top line of the five seed to like the top line of the six seed. You go from Kentucky to Ohio State. That feels like such a significant drop off yeah. right there. Yeah, I mean because you the, say who the, just the, lost again tonight. Yeah, I mean the five seeds are Kentucky, Colorado, Iowa is a good team if you haven't seen them, um, and then Arizona, and then the six seeds are like Ohio State, Wisconsin, LSU, Wichita State. Man, this this tournament LSU is might be going to be freaking absurd it's gonna be really dumb um so the last i guess the last thing you have in here the where will the losses come um yeah so ken palm at this point has louisville um with a i think they have them losing two more games i'm i'm sorry i don't have like i'm not looking right at the record okay so they have yeah they have them losing three more games um the the one kind of conf, you know loss they're really counting on is at Florida State of course giving them a 43% chance of winning um, but then you know every other game is a projected win but they just assume with luck and kind of you know it's not every game is going to every, every game's a win is a guaranteed win uh, the biggest trouble spots are at NC State a week from Saturday I'll be at that game as I mentioned so I'll kind of offer some of that um, at Clemson, 67%, so two-thirds percent chance. Um, and then at Virginia, 57% chance. Where do you think the losses are going to come? Uh, Syracuse at home. <laughs> if Louisville loses to Syracuse again, if Chris Mack loses to Syracuse again. It's going to be it's gonna be a, like. I'm so, going to be rude. I would rather, I almost would rather lose. I would rather lose to North Carolina than Syracuse. It's no, that's what I'm telling you. Like this, this scenario is going to be like I, I, I'm not sure people will be able to handle it because my scenario is like Louisville rolling through what their next seven, like winning all those games and then getting blown out at home against Syracuse. <laughs> 
I'm going to be the, the problem. The problem I'm beginning to run into is I I'm counting these wins. I'm like Clemson win, Boston college win, North Carolina state close, but win. you know, wake forest, definitely win Virginia. They're not losing to Virginia at home this year. Maybe Georgia away. tech is sneaky. Add Georgia tech is sneaky, especially after this turned out. That's one. I just don't want, I, I, I always get really worried when you're talking about a team winning 10 in a row between January and February. And you're just like, well, that's, they're playing their best basketball right now. Yeah. That's my only real concern. I think I think playing at Florida State, I'm really that's I'm I'm really excited that that's coming when it is at the end of February, because that feels like it's going to be a good test. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it, you could say what you want. I, I guess you you root for the share or whatever. Maybe you root for Florida State to win, but there's also this part of me at this point that's like, you know, Florida State, Louisville, just keep winning. Let's just settle mm-hmm. all this fucking shit in Tallahassee. Yeah, like I, and then, and then you know you go you go from there. Florida State can sweep Louisville, then you, you, Monday, deserve, you, you deserve to win the ACC championship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I told you like the Syracuse thing at the beginning of the season, which is weird because like Louisville's looked really great against the zone this year. Yeah, Georgia have. Tech played like five or six possessions, and Passner was like, "Fuck this." Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to stick with my prediction because I had it at the beginning of the season. Um, Georgia, yeah, Georgia and, Tech and is a weird like game, sneak, Syracuse sneakily one of the better teams they have to play for the rest of the season. They're 51st. They have to play Virginia, who's 50th, and NC State 43rd. But besides that. Syracuse got a big win at Notre Dame. Um, they're totally going to win, you know, 19 games and, and get in the playing game and then go to the Sweet 16 because that's what Jim Baham does, like, in the back end of his career for no entirely reason. He takes these garbage teams to the second weekend. <laughs> what a weird thing. It's like he lose, they lose to Notre Dame 88-87 in, the, in a squeaker at the Dome, and then, like, 21 days later – they win a squeaker. They win a squeaker against against Notre Dame. Well, they, they pretty Notre much Dame. had that game in like hand, and then they almost yeah, like gave I, it over there. I, I caught a little bit of it. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one game that I think they'll lose, I think it will be at Georgia Tech at this point. That was just a weird game, and I feel like those guys are just gonna be like, "Yeah, we're not missing. We're not gonna bungle this again." Yeah, I mean, uh, it's either it's either like Georgia Tech's like fully amped up for that game, or like Louisville blows them out by like twenty five. Like it feels also, like there's no in betweens. I can just smell the the Cole Anthony. I'm gonna put the team oh, yeah. on my back and get us to the tournament thing. That's, like I would, that's a like that's a and like the fact dooms- that it's before the fact that it's before the game before Florida State. It's a you know you're looking ahead two days to Florida before. State two games before two days before. God, that's a tough turnaround. That's a tough turnaround. Who the fuck like gave us this schedule? Because UNC was supposed to be good. Fuck them, dude. North Carolina, and then two days, and then you got to go to Tallahassee. No. And I'm that was like over, the game, okay and you know that this. was the game. I I was well. I I don't I don't know how much this person had involved, but I was told by people who oh, yeah. manage like the TV stuff, like they wanted North Carolina on a Saturday because they wanted that to be the the game day game. That was their goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Now and, game, game day is going to be in Kansas and, this weekend, yeah, which game is day, by the way. Yeah, game day is going to be in Kansas uh, or in Baylor. I'm sorry, in Waco. So oh, is that where they're at? That's that's where that game is. So yeah, yeah. maybe cool. or maybe they'll do Gonzaga BYU. I don't know. So yeah, um, I think that's all we got for basketball. I don't know if you Speaking had any of schedules. Like, yeah, well, we can, no, we can talk about yeah, the I don't, I don't have anything schedule. else. We'll definitely have to record next because this time. 
this time next week I will be headed to North Carolina. So we'll record a little earlier next week and yeah, and talk. Not that we're closing the podcast right now. I don't know why I'm saying that right now. <laughs> Chris, let's talk about bat- or football schedules because uh, they were released yesterday. And I just want to say, and I'm not the only person to say this. Uh, Keith Wynn, I'll toss his, his thing. He, he went in depth in this. I think this went about as good as it could go. For mm-hmm. Louisville, schedule wise. Oh, the if, break for Clemson is like the biggest like thing that stood out to me. Yes, you, you, they start the season. I'm not going to go through every game, but they start the season on a Thursday night against NC State. You know, a tough game, but uh, you know, that's NC State has lost a lot of people to transfer. I think Sat is already shown that he's always ready for first games, and then he gets an extra you know two days to prepare for Clemson at Clemson in Death Valley. You know, maybe catch the Tigers on their toes. And then the second hardest game of the season is the very end. Well, you know, the second to last game at Notre Dame. You separate those two games. You don't have to worry them about, you know, the team getting beat up and tough losses against the top two teams. Um, Louisville doesn't face a team this season that will be coming off a bye, which is a crazy, <laughs> amazing break. Um, it seems like. It's it seems very it's, feasible that they could be six and one going into Florida State. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like all the fifty-fifty like conference or five games. And one, I apologize. Uh, yeah, all the fifty-fifty conference games are at home. Like maybe yeah. maybe Virginia was standing. I I don't think Virginia is going to be this great like great this year. Um, we'll Without see. Perkins, yeah. And I I honestly like have this sneaky suspicion that Syracuse is like about to fall like off the face of the earth. Like that's how I really feel Dino. about uh, that's how I feel about Dino. Like either bro, get it together. You should have dipped when you could have. And you know, coming off, well, I think they won eight games last, before last year. And like, Western Kentucky is going to be decent. Um, that is a sneaky game there. That's kind of a sneaky game to look at. Um, uh, playing playing in the dome is never fun, and and in Syracuse, but it kind of broke pretty well. You're absolutely right. Boston College, they're going to have a new coach. I, I don't think they're going to be much yet. Florida State. Um, that's at home. It, at home, you know, you get them at home, so that's good. I th- the fans will be pumped for that. The Halloween, we were talking about, like, oh, man, they got to play at home on Halloween, got to make plans. <sighs> so many people are upset about it. <laughs> You're yawning over here. Yeah, um, I know, right? So what's, you know, I just wanted, I don't want to go through it, like, extensively. But what's your current, what's your January 23rd Louisville Cardinals 2020 record prediction? Um, so I, I probably see myself at eight wins. Let's see how I get here. Um, that, I'm gonna, do we gonna... need to do the Mike and the Mad Dog, the, the Bill Simmons? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. So say you get to like, you get this like, like dream, you know, scenario and you're going into Florida State six and one. I think at that point, you're hoping to... <laughs> Probably go one and two in that stretch, to be honest with you. Florida State, Virginia Tech, Virginia. Um, you get one of those games, and that feels like a win because you're you're at seven wins, you know, with the rest of November. And then you have Wake, Notre Dame, Kentucky. Man, it's it's very easy to talk yourself into nine and three. I'm, I was, I was going to say nine and three. <laughs> It's definitely and, easy and, to do and, that, but I, I will be conservative right now, and I will say eight and four. I'm going nine and three, and I think <laughs> one of the wins is going to be one of those wins is Clemson or Notre Dame. 
Oh, that's my wrinkle. There you go. I like that. I like that. I like the. I like the. I just Dame think thing. I. I. I'm. I. I mean, I'm convinced that this is like this was the best case scenario, schedule wise for them, and and I think it's going to show. So I, I. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. We have a few other fun things we want to do. No, uh, dude. But wanted to touch. It, it. It really is when you when you kind of look at it. Um, and like I said, getting those. Those, those really those 50-50 games because you if, if you're going to Tallahassee or you're going to Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. you feel like those are a lot more losable games. Right. Um, there's there's really no reason that like, you know, you start six and one or even if you start five and two, say you drop like one of the ones at Syracuse or Boston College. You can still you even then you can talk yourself into nine and three. Yeah. Yeah. I could really, you know. Both both Louisville and Kentucky fans think they're winning the SEC, and Louisville fans think they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. So yeah. that's that's where we're at. We'll see about. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think the East is going to be really good next year for SEC. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, Chris, we wanted to. Anything else on football before we move forward? I think that covers it. We've been talking. We talked before the podcast about you know <laughs> we're going to mention Bill Simmons again. But the hottest take, uh, <laughs> if you've never heard of the hottest take, it's a like short mini podcast that uh, you know a group of people who work for the Ringer. You know, they come in. One person gives a take. The best one I've heard. If I you said you just started listening to it, Chris, the best one is a guy comes in and says the way that we have the alphabet organized is wrong. Oh my god! And just goes Holy for shit. five minutes. That just minutes. infuriates me. <laughs> he goes for five minutes about like why is like certain things in certain positions like Q's garbage. Q should be at the end. Like <laughs> W's cool. Bring it towards the front. And like all this, it's hilarious. So I highly recommend it if you never listen to it. So you said you had a hot take and you were inspired, and you haven't told me your hot take. I haven't told you mine. So we're going to take, you know, it's already, we're already like an hour. So like, let's take like three minutes to do oh, this. <laughs> okay. um, do, you, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I want you to go first because I think mine's like extraordinarily hotter than yours. Okay. My take is that the snooze option on alarm clocks shouldn't exist. I think that if the snooze option on alarm clocks didn't exist literally the entire country of america would be significantly more productive okay that's that's really how i feel if you set a fucking alarm clock to wake up at a certain time then you should wake up at that time that's what you're setting the alarm clock for why would you set an alarm clock for 10 minutes earlier than when you want to wake up? Just set the alarm clock for when you want to fucking wake up. It's a pointless invention to me. Here's here's my retort. I don't and think it's I'm a not, good enough retort, but go I'm ahead. I'm not going to play the, the I'm a dad card, but here's my here, – this is the equivalent of you saying – if you turn on your GPS and it tells you that you get somewhere by 3 p.m., that you should get there by 3 p.m. no matter what. Because <laughs> sleeping is a journey, Chris. <laughs> when you go to bed, you're not sure if you're going to have a good night's sleep. You know, you might wake up at 1, at 1 a.m. and have something on your mind. You might be thinking about how your take wasn't very good. <laughs> and 
then you're going to sit up and think about it. I'm a thinker sometimes in the middle of the night. So this happens to me. You know, maybe you have to use the restroom and then you can't go back to sleep. Maybe your phone goes off because someone from China calls you and you can't fall back to sleep. You never know. Sleeping is a journey. And the snooze button, you know, it's it allows for traffic. It's, you know, you know, I need a little more time. I agree with you. I use the snooze button. I can't tell you how many times the snooze button has gotten me in hot water. I well, can't count it. So, but it's so, a necessary uh, evil. A few things here. I do think the snooze button is something that's like going out of out of date a little bit because we're not using audible alarm clocks anymore. We're using right. alarm clocks on their phone. I can't honestly. I, I can't remember the last time I used an alarm clock on it. But I know there's people that like, especially like people that that are single that probably rely on alarm clock a lot more than me. Um, you know, Amber wakes up. I'm getting up ten minutes after, regardless, or you know, vice versa. That's just the way it's happening in our in in our house. Um, okay, but. Uh, my counter to that would be <laughs> you literally can just plan for that already as it is. Like if, if, if you woke up at, the, nah, I don't know <laughs> if you woke up at the same time every, every night, I feel like you would probably have less moments of struggling to fall asleep to begin with but I, i'm, I'm kind of going down a little bit of a rabbit hole that i'm probably not sure i think it's more of a routine wrong. thing you, you're you're going to like you're not going to struggle to fall asleep if you're going to sleep at the same time every night and you're waking up at the same time i i think those 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 nights of less sleep are, are going to be few and far in between i don't think you're incredibly wrong i just think that I don't know. I think I think for some people, sleep is unpredictable. I don't know. <laughs> so I think we're yeah, I, I, I guess I guess the the ultimate where you fall in this is how you view sleep. Yeah. How much how much success you have falling asleep and staying I, asleep. I, so. I think you're right. I, Which, listen, the, the, like I said, this the snooze button. It's got me in hot water. It's you know it's tough. It's yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna disagree. What's yours? All right, this one's this one's hot. It's <laughs> hot, man. I hope you're ready. Alarm clock. Fifteen years from now, baseball will be more popular than basketball. I have a problem with this. So let me let me break this down. So this is this is recency bias right here. Okay. NBA ratings are down. Don't tell that to Bill Simmons. Don't tell that to Bill Simmons. NBA ratings are down. Here are the issues with the NBA that we have. The last 10 to 5 minutes of games are a mess. Replay takes too long. Um, people just care about the players and the players keep moving, which I think is fine. I'm not I don't have an issue with this this part of it. The pe- the players keep moving. They don't have loyalty to quote quote unquote loyalty to to cities. And people don't really care about the game specifically and uh, also, I do think a big issue is that it's now become like a luxury thing. Like the one of the biggest NBA stories this week was that Louis Vuitton is partnering with the NBA. It does <laughs> the NBA to me no longer feels like it's like completely the sport of the people. Man, I have a problem with this. And I say this <laughs> loving basketball. I, I'm just saying I think I think college basketball to me is more the sport of the people than the NBA. Is. It's, that's, it's that's, fun, it, that's a hot it, take, but that's my take. That's a different take. But here's why I think it's baseball funny you're is disappointing. This mere, you know, a day after the, the Zion 
debate, but yeah. I know, I know, but, he, but well, speaking of Zion, did you see the, 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 the ratings, the ratings for the Zion game were like nothing. It yeah. was like, I think the Alamo Bowl had better ratings. Is I'm not even making that up. That was like legitimately something I saw. Major League Baseball. 162 games accessible to people. Okay, people can go. The teams still have identities that relate to the cities. Because of the largeness of the team, I think. I, I, I always feel like, you know, the Yankees are always going to be New York. They're always going to be glitz and glamour. You've got teams like, you know, you, you know, you've got the Midwest teams are, I think are always going to kind of have that worker, you know, hardworking kind of sentiment, whatever the rules of baseball are set. They're not changing and baseball is moving to a point where it, there's no issue with the rules. We're going to have umpire robotic umpires. So the games are going to move quicker. They're messing with the clock. I, they're going to get to a point in the next five to 10 years that a baseball game is just, it's going to be like that. It's going to be no problem. They're changing the way that the, the relief pitchers go. So I think relief pitchers are going to have to, I think if you come into a game in relief, the rule will be, I think 2021 that you have to pitch three batters, which is mm-hmm. nuts. So it's going to be quicker. You're not going to have to worry about people coming in for one batter and then switching out people. Well, it's, so it's funny. It's, it's funny because I would have an easier time agreeing with you on this if you said that that baseball was just going to get rid of pitchers altogether, and there was going to be robot pitchers <laughs> or machine pitchers. I didn't. I did then, not expect then we're, then we're that talking. left turn. I did not see that left turn. I just I, and I I think the I don't know man like I I've just reached a point where I think the NBA I should have said this is the the MLB is going to be more popular than the NBA because I think the NBA has just reached a point where I think they have a ceiling and I don't know how they fix it. I think that have you listened to the uh, the David Stern like Remembrance podcast from Bill Simmons? No, I have not. That I think I some of the like the work that that Adam Silver did on the front end of the the streaming age, um, and some of the international stuff that that he's done. Though I'm not sure how all that stuff kind of stands after after China and everything happened with that um, and Daryl Morey to begin the year. Um, but I think that will end up even being more significant um, kind of going forward because I'm still waiting for, like, the VR age of of basketball and stuff to take over and, and people sitting in the stands, virtual reality to watch games because I think the NBA is, like, the perfect sport for that. Um, so I, I think things like that may be the NBA's saving grace. I, I, I don't agree with you that they've reached the ceiling. I, I think they're honestly in a position – to capitalize even more than any other sport on the streaming era, but I could be completely wrong. I, I I don't think it's like the most outlandish thing. Okay, there's a, there are our takes. <laughs> Those are I'm our glad takes. we had this talk. We're gonna have more fun I now. With, with... I can't wait for people to at me and be like, "You're absolutely nuts." <laughs> You're absolutely nuts. So, okay. Last thing, we talked a little bit on Twitter about the fact that Indiana has now allowed betting on the Oscars and the Oscars are a few weeks away folks but now is the time to get your value because voting has not started yet and I think now is the time to do it so we're going to do a little thought exercise Chris and I both are giving ourselves 25 fake dollars to make a few bets 
on the Oscars. And, you know, these are the odds that are coming from Bovada. I don't know if these are the odds that you can get at. We couldn't find the one specifically for Indiana. They'll but be similar. I, I'm guessing they're going to be very similar. So, Chris, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go first. Um, okay. So... <sighs> I'm kind of like doing a cop out because we have the 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 Toy Story category. I guess that's best animated film. Yes, we have yeah. best animated film down there. We I'm didn't go- include any of the acting categories because those are all runaways. I'm going Think- to skip that one entirely. Okay. Okay. And you're going to another one. I'm I'm gonna use them on all other three. And okay. basically, what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna spread my money out amongst the Netflix films. Oh wow! <laughs> because I don't think I I think there's something to like I I think that a Netflix film in some way or another will be honored. Um. So uh, the fir- what's the first category we have here? Well, I have. I mean, at the top, I have the best picture. Best picture. Okay, that's what I figured. So I would do five dollars on the Irishman at plus six thousand uh, honestly the Irishman won best picture I would love to see the chaos on the streets um <laughs> it was, it's too long Chris it's too long <laughs> and then I'll do another five dollars on marriage story okay so I'm at 10 there okay um I'll do 15 actually no no I won't do 15 that would, do, you'll be I, out of money yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do 10 on marriage story to win best screenplay because I think there's legit value there I thought that was a I don't know it's I think, very well written I, I think the dialogue in that movie is absolutely incredible um so that puts me at what twenty dollars mm-hmm. and then I'll probably try to make some of my money back and skip the Netflix theme and probably take that $5 and put it on Tarantino at plus 1000 because it's Quentin Tarantino and it's plus 1000 Wait, I think on, that's on, 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 on best director. Okay. So you you okay, so you you hit the the plus the $5 plus 1000 that's I'm trying to think of the that that's 500 right would be there yeah that'd be 500 because it's okay. 100 to 1 a yeah. thousand is yeah cool so yeah so i have ten dollars on marriage story at well, plus no, it's 10 to 1 tarantino yeah. is 10 to 1 yeah 10 to 1 sorry yeah yeah so it'd be 50 dollars. 50 dollars. yeah so marriage story um plus 650 i have ten dollars on that i have five dollars on tarantino at plus 1000 and then i have Five dollars on the Irishman at plus six thousand for best picture, and then okay. at plus ten thousand, I have five dollars on Marriage Story. So yeah, I feel comfortable with my bets. I, I I feel like I hit one of those. Uh, okay, here here's here's my issue with your bets is I think your I think the Netflix thing I think so many people you hear so many like industry people say Netflix is ruining like the cinemas. That's my concern with your with your okay. bets. So that's my only thing, but I I think I like the Tarantino for a thousand. Yeah, I mean you're more of a movie buff than me, but I what if this not is really? The, I don't, this I, is the, here's why I'm I'm a movie industry person. Like yeah. I read too much about the industry, and I don't watch the movies. I want this <laughs> I want this to be the year that the the Academy just they they uh, they say you know we're bending our knee to the Netflix industry. We're accepting the new reality. 
<laughs> I think it's coming. I just don't think it's this year. Okay, so I'm going to go from like least important to most important. So I'm going to toss five dollars on the, the in the in the in the best animated picture category. Okay, I'm going to toss five dollars on the missing link. <laughs> okay, because Toy Story is minus two thousand. Toy no Story one's, Four no one's was doing bad. bad. Yeah, Toy it wasn't Story good at all. Four wasn't good. Like, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't as good comparatively. And The Missing Link won the best, the uh, one best animated at uh, Golden Globes. Golden Globes are weird, but five dollars on The Missing Link plus seven fifty. Like, it's just some value there, and they've won. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think that's something worth. Best original screenplay. I actually you stole mine. I was gonna put five on Marriage Story. I think Marriage Story. I uh, Green uh, Greenberg is the guy who wrote it. I'm losing it. Uh, it his name, but oh it, no, he, it's um. Damn it! I looked this up the other day, but yeah. he's married to the director of of Little Women. I'm losing, yeah. and I have a friend who listens to this podcast who's who's screaming right now. <laughs> Why don't you remember this person's name? Let's but, just, let's, uh, let's let's look this up real quick. No, I'm looking it up. I'm, okay. I'm looking because it, it, it's going to Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach. Yes, Noah Baumbach. He is one of the more exciting. Like, oh, it's because his last movie was like the Greenberg something, yeah. like the Chronicles or something. Uh, yeah. So I, I I think if if Tarantino doesn't win screenplay, it's going to be Baumbach. No. So toss five dollars on on screenplay there. Give and so I'm I'm down ten dollars. Give me another ten dollars on Bong Joon Ho to win Best Director at plus one eighty. I think that we're we're trending to a place where Parasite Parasite just won the Best Directors thing. Uh, I don't know the 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 Producers Guild Awards was last weekend. Parasite won um, the the Best. Uh, ensemble in the screen actors guild awards and uh 1917 won the best producers one so i think we're going to a point where it looks like bong we'll see the directors of this weekend the director awards um but i think bong is very well respected and we've there's been a few times where the international director gets the director reward award but isn't rewarded in best picture yeah i like that angle and then i'm gonna take my five dollars and just gonna go ahead and and take it for 1917 i think it's got you know it's got a big name and director in sam mendes it's the favorite um they ha- they don't have any um, any writing awards, but the the cinematographer Roger Deakins is very well respected um, by people in Hollywood. So I think they're going to go that route. Um, I also think I'm a little hes- I'm a little hesitant to. Um, there's still kind of a little thing around Tarantino in terms mm-hmm. of ro- of of kind of how people feel about him. Right. So I don't think he's going to win any of the big awards, and the fact that you're looking at Brad Pitt, you know, winning screenplay or uh, winning best supporting actor is, is, is kind of going to be the homage to them there. And then I think they'll win maybe like some of the technical awards, like the costume was really good. The film editing sound, the the score was, uh, the, the, you know, the sound was fantastic in that film. Um, so they'll win some of those to kind of reward. And I don't think they'll kind of get the bigger prizes down the road. If I, I'll tell you what, if I get marriage story at plus plus six fifty, that may be the one that I actually legitimately do bet. I, I just go ahead and throw the $10 yeah, down would, in there. I, that's, that's, I, I like that value a lot. And I think that that movie was very well written and some of the scenes, um, 
you know, those the 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 scenes that are kind of like been memed have been like those one on one scenes with uh, Johansson and um, there's also a lot of and, like and one cuts. like the, eh, yeah. Yeah, and, so I think I think people are really gonna love the they really like the writing on it and uh, and, and they'll go that route. So yeah, not too you know not too different, but yeah, it was fun. That was fun. That was so, a fun exercise. I enjoyed. That was that. a fun exercise, and I on it, I mean that sincerely because I think the the voting once the voting happens on Monday, it starts. It's they only have a week to vote. Um, so I think, or, or like a week and a half or so. So I think when, once that voting starts, you start to get some of the stories in terms of I'm hearing there's momentum for this movie. Mm-hmm. So if you legitimately want to bet, like they say now's the time because uh, we sort of had the first groups of awards and you're starting to get an idea of what people are thinking. And if you think that there's value, now's the time to do it. Yeah. So I heard kind of like indirectly, informally that they'll be available to bet on on Monday. Ooh. Um, so we'll see. I, I man, I really hope that there's some kind of like public or, or something that comes out on. I want to legitimately know how much the state of Indiana, how many bets they take on this. I'm sure they'd have that information. I'd love to know how many like people in New Albany bet on the Academy Awards. I mean, it's, it's, I think I'm gonna. I think I would go. Like just because I think you know. I would, or I'd go ahead and call because I'm sure they would know. And uh, I'm really, I'll, I'll tweet it out on Monday. Honestly, I'll tweet out picks. Yeah. To see if things have changed, uh, because we'll have the director awards, and I think the British awards are this weekend too. I'm not quite sure. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, for like I said, like I'm probably not going to get to all of the movies, but I love like the politics behind it. I'm I'll just be watching Parasite like this weekend. So Parasite was my. F- I haven't seen them all, of course, but. Uh, Parasite's probably my favorite I've seen. Uh, I'm still thinking about Parasite. I think you're going to love Parasite. So, I'm looking forward uh, to it. All right. I think that's it, Chris. That was a fun episode. We did that, a lot of different things. That was good. Um, we'll, as I mentioned, we'll talk next week, probably a little earlier in the week before I head out to Raleigh. Um, if you've been to Raleigh or live in – I don't think anyone lives in Raleigh or Durham that listens to the podcast. So my buddy I'm going to visit. And uh, <laughs> uh, But if you've ever been and you have any suggestions, send them my way. And, uh, yeah. I think that's it, Chris. Yeah. Take care. I'm take looking care, forward guys. to, we'll uh, to- uh, caring for a fiance who's getting her wisdom teeth cut out tomorrow. <laughs> so it should be fun. You should have a fun weekend. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one.